Hi guys, you won't even believe me when I tell you this. We have a special guest on our podcast today, King Richard actress Michaela Bartholomew. She plays Tunde Price in King Richard, and she is known for her activism as well as having her own Tony Award and NAACP Award. I know, a very, very, very young, accomplished woman. She is someone I would consider to be a layered woman. When she talks about reform and being a black woman in Hollywood, she also talks about the importance of rallying up and shining a light on underprivileged and underheard voices. This is one of the most inspiring conversations I've ever had on To All The People podcast. She reiterates that she deserves to become the person she is meant to be. She discusses her issues with depression, her faith in God, meeting Beyonce, and working with Serena and Venus Williams. If you are someone that is really, really struggling to make those dreams come true, sometimes there is blessing in redirection, and this conversation is all about that. Michaela was not expecting to even get the role of King Richard. It was during a time of COVID. It was during a time of loneliness. It was during a time where she thought acting just wasn't going to be in the cards for her. So listen to this, buckle up, and be prepared to be mind blown as well as inspired. Now let's get right into it. This is your host, Janelle Roberts, and let's get this episode started. I'm so excited for this one. Hi, Michaela. Hey. How are you doing today? I am, you know what? I, I can say this today. I'm I'm okay, which is good. Like that feels like a big win for me this this week. Really? Yeah. Why why just today? Like why this week? The last couple, I, I want to say the last couple months, I mean, you know, before we started, we were talking about the accident and stuff, have been chaotic. Yes. Um, have been really exhausting, have been yes. very painful, just a lot of stuff happening in my family life, my personal life. And outwardly, everything looks incredible, right? Yeah. So much success, like, ooh, beautiful, great Instagram. Uh, but privately, just struggling to keep my head above water. And this week, I'm like, actually, we're kind of thriving. Yeah, that's good. You know? And it's not like, oh, wow, everything has turned the tables. It's just like, no, we're okay. Yes. We're waking up. We're not dreading the day. Yes, so I'm yes, okay. yes. I also feel like you're just someone that you achieve really high and you give back a lot. So sometimes it's probably hard to rest, especially like after an incident like this. Don't call me out. I'm like just that. That's just no. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like I sometimes it. it is hard to be still, yeah. you know? Um, I really want to like go deep with you. There's like a lot of different things that you do, but in particular, I want to start off by asking you, when did you realize that you were meant to be a storyteller? Specifically to tell the stories of... <laughs> the, the, the expression is specifically the stories for the black diaspora mm -hmm. black women black people mm. like what was your earliest memory I think what's interesting for me is I was a pretty late bloomer as an artist right mm -hmm. professionally I didn't know that theater or or acting in any capacity I didn't even know film was possible to yeah me, like for me until I like graduated and started working in it um but as a storyteller, I've been doing it all my life. And yeah. I was raised by a family of storytellers, mm. which is interesting, specifically black, femme-identifying women storytellers. Yeah, strong women around Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Like my mama, my my daddy's mama, my mama's mama, you know, my aunties, like all of them uh, are just so good for passing on the legacies that we have attached to us as a family. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they're just storytellers. My mom is... One of the most like well-known people um, in our neighborhood growing up, just because everybody knew Miss B, 
and everybody mm. knew her story, where she came yeah. from, what she had been through. She's just such an open book. So I've been telling stories all my life, which, you know, us growing up, telling stories is usually you lying or something. It's yeah. like, no. Um, I had just been sharing myself yes. all my life because I was raised in a family of people who shared. Um, and so I think my earliest memory of that was probably, I was four or five. I had this really weird... Um, like it was like a microphone kind mm -hmm. of toy that had a little exactly CD player, yes. like a little Walkman attached to the yes. bottom. You pop that CD, CD in there, it plays whatever you want, and you sing. Yes. Um, I used to sometimes just use it to talk. Yes. Instead of just like, you know, singing Destiny's Child or, you know, Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera uh, or Brandy or anything like that. Sometimes I would just talk. You're like, I'm about to use my voice. Mm -hmm. I'd be like... <clears throat> Hi, my name is Michaela Bartholomew, and you're watching Disney. <laughs> did you plot? Did you plot oh, the Disney yeah. one too? Like, 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 like you're raving to my own. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was I was waiting and willing to be on that Surabian and Lizzie McGuire and all of that, and I, but I didn't want to be an actor. Yes. Right? I just liked telling stories. I loved writing stories. Yes. Had notebooks filled with just, um, I, we didn't know it was called fan fiction when we were in the third grade, mm -hmm. but my own versions of Harry Potter. You know, my own versions of Degrassi, the next generation, which no third grader should be watching in the first place. Period. <laughs> um, the, real one, the real ones know who Aubrey was before one, he was Drake. One of the funniest moments of my childhood getting in trouble was I was banned from watching Degrassi. Yeah. Because our teachers found out in elementary school that we were all, we all assigned ourselves characters. Oh, yes. and y'all were playing the characters? We were playing the characters, At school? Right? At school, in the third grade. No. Right? I'm Emma. And this is during Emma's era of, like, discovering her sexual identity and Stop. doing some. Yeah, and so we were talking about all of these things that, like, third graders don't know what these things are. Yes. And the teachers found out, called our parents. Like I said, my mom was huge in the, like, yeah. the area, so... She was like, oh, you never watching this show ever again. What is this? And I was like, channel 105, the end. Like, what do you? I'm screaming. And they came home from a, a date night from a military ball because my dad was in the military for mm -hmm. like 30 years. And um, they came in the front door as Jimmy was getting shot in the school shooting episode. He's like running down the hall and then. Pal. Were you like, Jimmy, no? Yeah, and my parents are like, what in the, what did we say? Is this what I think it is? Yes, it's very graphic. It was like, it was like our euphoria, except yeah. euphoria is a little. Euphoria is a different, mm hmm It's a different. Mm hmm Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's a, I'm, I'm, that's so funny to me because that reminds me of the time when I was, I was a little bit older though. I was, mm -hmm. I think I was like in 10th grade and I was reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Ooh. And my mom, too grown. Yeah. My mom went to work and my mom saw her her friend had it on her desk and she was just like, um, my daughter's reading that book. And they were like, oh. Mm, oh. No. Oh. And she came home and was like, give it here. She was like, what you reading? I was Ooh. like, you can have it. I already finished it. <laughs> <laughs> too grown, though. Too grown. Too grown. But no, like, yeah. one thing that I, that really, like, I really like about your mission mm -hmm. Because you're an actress. You're also, there's so many different things that you do. But I'm a busybody if we're being realistic. You're a busybody, but <laughs> on top of that, you just have a mission. It seems mm -hmm. like everything that you do has to have meaning behind it. Yeah. And every time I have like a, someone comes on, specifically like a black woman mm -hmm. in particular, a lot of the people that we have on, I consider them to be healers. Mm -hmm. People that are giving back to their community. People that are telling stories. And sometimes 
being a storyteller and sometimes giving back can be quite exhausting. Yeah. So in what ways, how do you show compassion to yourself? I think this week is interesting. I, I just wrote a blog post about this was offering myself grace mm -hmm. and acknowledging like the systems that of which we're being forced to engage with yeah. these days. Like if we're being frank, we live in a society that's based in, on the foundations of white supremacy. Period. A lot of the things we pour ourselves into are colored by that, right? Yeah. Be it the system of capitalism, yep. cult like work culture, grind culture, social media. Um, though black folks run culture, you know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> uh, and, the, and we color the way people interact with each other. The powers that be are, are, are um, benefiting from the proximity to whiteness. Yes. And so this week I actually just had to be like, you might not have it in you this week, bro. Um, you might have to just like take a breath, take some time. And that be okay. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I'm going to be able to pour back into myself this week because it is exhausting. Last week, all I did was like act on the behalf of others. So we've got yes. like my auditions, which are for me, like I want the job, yes, right? But at yes. the end of the day, I'm, I'm trying to like win over and, and gain validation from the person on the other side of the yeah. table, from the casting yeah. directors and the producers. Um, I was... Uh, raising awareness for an issue with um, a, a young infant newborn named Mila Jackson, who you're probably familiar yes. with down in Texas, who is a two-week-old newborn who's yeah. been, like, taken from her family, and they still don't know where she is. They know her condition is worsening. Now the child has, um, like, a severe genital health issue in the care of whatever strangers are, you know, um, have her now that they've seized the baby, uh, the state has seized the baby. And so I'm raising awareness about that. I'm building resources. Yeah. I'm writing guides. I'm recording episodes for my podcast. I'm trying to make sure the listeners of the podcast know how to raise awareness. I'm trying to raise money for different causes. I'm trying to amplify the issues that are going down in Nashville, yeah. going down in Louisville. And I was like, whoa. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I think... When I was a senior in college, we were asked, we were taxed with, and I think this colors into your first question about uh, deciding to tell stories for folks that look like me, is that my goal is to make room, mm -hmm. right? I might not, I might not be the biggest star, you know. I might not like leave my well. Let's not say that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could have an Emmy next year. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we already got the Tony. We might. We got a Tony, we got okay? Tony. We got the little NAACP yes. joint. Yes. You know, we yes. about to. So yes. you know, we gonna get an Oscar <laughs> yes. at some point. No, it's gonna happen for sure. Um, for sure. For sure. All I need, yeah, all I need now is the Tony Award for acting. You know what I mean? Yes. And so, um, but with all of that in mind, I'm like, how can I? Um, make room for others that look like me or don't look like me, who yeah. identify the way I do and don't identify the way I do. How can I just make sure the doors open wider? And I take that, uh, I thought I was real clever coming up with it when I was a senior in college, because I was like, mm -hmm. I just want to make room to redefine what representation looks like for black women like me. Yes. But realistically speaking, I've been taught that all my life. Yes. My mom did it when she ran a childcare out her house for young single mothers who need somewhere for their kids to go when they got to go to work before school. Yeah. You know, my aunts do that. My grandma's still to this day, the candy lady. People show up at, you know, Gigi's house just looking for a bite to eat. Yeah. She still makes room. Yeah. Uh, the women that I know in the industry from the ingenue Ellis, who I love to call like mama ingenue, made room for me on the set of King Richard by saying, hey, actually, Michaela does not have anywhere to sleep. 
And y'all wow. had her fly all the way out here from New York to be in this movie, to be one of the wow. main characters in this film. This girl don't got nowhere to lay her head. What? How can we make room for her? The the likes of like all of my mentors in the New York Broadway industry that took me under their wing because our mm-hmm. co- our community is so small out there. It and it really it is. is. It really is. And we're surrounded by like I'm. I just I've been very blessed to be surrounded by Black women who make room. Mm-hmm. And so just by nature, that's what I wanted to do myself. Yeah. With my work, and I think that's how I like offer myself more ease. It's like I can't create from a place of lack. I cannot serve the very people that I, I want to serve, that I feel like God put me on this earth to serve if if I don't have it in me to, like, wake up in the morning. Yeah. If I can't get through the day. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm trying to take a lot from Rest is Resistance by, um, I believe, Trisha Hersey, mm-hmm. uh, who founded the Nat Ministry these days, and be like, there are a lot of systems that we just know by nature we're supposed to play into because we got to play the game. To succeed. And you refuse to let anyone tokenize you. Exactly. I don't feel like doing that. For what? I it's did it exhausting. for so... I, and I'm a good token. Yes. Oh, I'm good in a room. Yes. They, lo- they love to have you on display as they a trophy. Love, oh, my God. They love me. I, and, I'm, and I don't mind that, right? Yeah. But I can also, because I understand my role in that situation or in that system, I can call it in. Yeah, I know we have a lot of culture of like calling things out. Yeah, um, but I, I like to play with both and to call it in and to call it out. Yeah. So once I've developed this relationship with the people who are tokenizing me, let's have a conversation about what's happening. Yeah. For real, let's have a conversation about how I have to deplete myself in order to be here. After how I have to censor myself in order to be here. How I have to cut myself down and assimilate in order mm-hmm. to be in space with you. Yeah. One thing that's really interesting to me that I've observed from Black girls that refuse to be tokenized mm-hmm. is I had I had one guest come on. And we had a really good conversation, and she was talking about how she was seeking out tokenization without even realizing it. Mm. And what that created was a competitive nature with other black women, which yes. is a real thing. It's, and it's hard to let go of. It's I struggle hard with it regularly. Really? Heck yeah. I'm struggling with it right now. In this industry, yes. I bet. Because there's a there's a lot of instances where there can only be one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm playing in a, a world, like the world of TV and film, and even in theater, right? Mm-hmm. Where oftentimes the image of the cool like the black girl that can be the ingenue or the lead or the center of a story is more often than not um someone who identifies as biracial biracial excuse me yeah you gotta talk about colorism yeah and we all and we got there are there are three girls that exist in in yeah um mainstream hollywood yeah yeah but there's so many of us right yes so they're they're like oh it's zendaya I, i got an audition once and my friend actually just recently got a commercial like voiceover audition where it was like oh we want you to sound like one of these three really incredible black women and it was Zendaya, Amanda Lissamberg, and Yara Shahidi. Oh wow. Fantastic actors. Yeah they are. They're incredible artists and I think they also have an understanding of their privilege in these spaces. Yeah a thousand percent. Um, I, I can say that I've benefited from um, from one of them actually saying I don't think this is the role for me uh, before and I'm really and I'll protect their privacy but I'm I'm really grateful for that yeah. because it gave me an opportunity to be in a room that I was advocated to be in yeah but you're, but you're carving a lane for you exactly and for girls that are like you exactly, exactly and that's 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 important and I think we all have to figure out how we can carve those lanes because at the end of the day I might not see the fruit of my labor um 
but I know for a fact that it's just going to be a little easier. Yes. For those coming up after me. Yes. Just a little bit. You know, yes. they're not going to have the same troubles when they go into the audition room, have a fantastic callback, and they're like, yeah, but we're, you know, we're looking for someone that's a little more mixed presenting. Yeah. You know, or, ah, oh, well, you know, she's a little too urban. And it's like, oh, it's cold for you saying I'm dark skin, bro. Yes. Like, I, I watched High School Musical until I was like 18 years old. What you mean I'm urban? Yes. You know, like, what what's up? And that goes back to... Blackness looking like so many different so things. many different things like so and 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 that's just trying not to be stuck in a box. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think is really amazing about you is your perseverance and the simple fact that you resist. Thanks. And I think that honestly really goes to show what the type of roles that you take on. Mm -hmm. Like there's this one scene of you in Dear Mama, and you're looking at this. This is like when you hear the news story about Tupac. Mm -hmm. And there's just, like, so much emotion conveyed right then and there. And there's a certain level of softness. Yeah. And as I'm talking to you, I, f I feel that softness to you. Because I think oftentimes, in particular, when it comes to being a browner-skinned, darker-skinned woman, there's this stereotype that, you know, they're angry, they, they're aggressive. But to me, when I think of black women, in particular darker-skinned women, there's a different level mm -hmm. of feminism that comes with it and divine femininity that comes with it mm. so whenever I was watching you act there's there's like this this really deep softness that is completely conveyed in your work I, I even I even saw it when you played Toon Day in King Richard and I was reading how Serena Williams she made a comment and she was like it was so hard for me to watch her on film yeah without crying yes absolutely which was I mean that was humbling that's uh, girl. Like, <laughs> what do you do? No, you know? but I like I. I hope you're giving yourself your flowers. Thank you. I think for for King Richard specifically, and even for Dear Mama, right? Mm -hmm. The goal. The goal of everything I do, and I'm very specific about yeah. the kind of roles I'm willing to take, right? Yeah, like you, you don't, you don't. I've said no to a lot. Yes, you know. Yes. Um, which is crazy because I have trouble saying no. I mean, when that when that money come in, it's like, dang, but... Where the money reside? I mean, if it resides in a nice enough place, yes, you know, I'm going to have to have some conversation. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but when I was doing those, those specific pieces and a lot of the work that I've gotten to do, the goal is to allow the people in the, the audience to see a human being on on screen right like sister stories of blackness are universal stories you can act and we thank you I, i'm just saying that i just be trying to be a human you know just yes like, it's very natural what is it like? like i know what that felt like for i don't know that specific circumstance yeah. thank god like my mother is still with me um and you know i but I, I know what grief feels like. Yes. And I know what grief feels like at that age. Yes. And I know what it feels like not to be able to say anything out loud because you're trying to stay in the child's place. Where do, where do you think you were able to pull that from? Would you say that you're able to... Is that like method acting yeah. or would you say it's like more so like personal I think experience? there was a lot of personal experience for, for Dear Mama in particular because... Um, yeah, I'm very lucky and I'm very blessed to have the childhood I did. Mm -hmm. But as a teenager, like it, 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 was, it was rough in them streets. I bet. Yeah. Um, and and my dad was overseas for much of it. So my dad served for about 30 years. And mm -hmm. instead of us moving around the world with him, my parents were like, we want them to have the home, the stable home life we did not have growing up. They were both very impoverished when they were um, younger. And so they were like, we want our kids to live in the same neighborhood 
for their entire lives. Yeah. So I've quite literally, my, my parents are in the same house that they have been in since I was four years old. And before that, we lived three blocks down the road. Wow, yeah. Um, and so I, I went to the same elementary school, high school, like with all the same kids, always. Yeah. But when my dad was away, when I first entered into high school, it was really hard for my mom and I. Um, and she struggled really uh, heavily with her mental health yeah. and with um, alcoholism. And I was struggling really badly with my mental health. Wow. Um, and it was just me, her, and my little sister who was like seven or eight years old. Yeah. So when I say I know euphoria, <laughs> that yeah. story, like I was real yeah. when I was 14. And I knew what that grief looked like. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't on no hard yeah, drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was struggling with a lot of the same like yeah. mental health issues she yeah. was. Yeah. And I, I did try to take my life. Wow. And the person who found me was my my little sister. Wow. You know, um, and I, I give all praise to her because, you know, she saved my life and my mother saved my life, uh, making sure I got the help that I needed. But I know what that grief looks like. Yeah. For Tanisha. Uh, I knew what that anxiety felt like where it was like, I don't know where to put this and I don't know who to share this with. Yeah. Because the adult in my life does not have the tools or the resources to take to take care of themselves right now. My mom was struggling. Yeah. You know, and my dad wanted to be there for us, but, you know, he was serving his country. Yeah. Um, and he was overseas and he was doing what he could. And we had beautiful friends and family and, you know, my aunts and, and uncles that would step in and help take care of us during that two year period. But it was hard and very isolatory. So I just I know I know Tanisha. And I think what was special about Dear Mama is um, Charmaine Cleveland, who wrote it gave Garland and I permission to allow those words to like grow and live with us as we did the story. Yeah. Um, as we filmed, cause we filmed Dear Mama. We shot it, I think in three days. Wow. Very, very quick. And um, it's such a heavy piece. So it could be dangerous to do something that quick with such high stakes um, of emotion. And Winter, our director just made sure she was like, this has to be a safe space for you to be able to tell this story. If you don't if I don't protect you, then we can't do this. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna like lie right now. It's probably one of my favorite films that I've watched this year. Oh wow. Thank I, you. I'm a I'm very I'm really into films. Yeah. Like I like what I'm big fan of A twenty four. I like yep. a lot of short films. Huge plays, fan of A twenty four. All of that. Yes. So wow. Yeah. And so I th I think that's what the like the truth and the honesty and a lot of people talk about uh, Tanisha's vulnerability yeah. and the way her like breath like because the film is pretty silent right it's, we don't yes. we don't talk a lot it's it's just it's it's straight emotion yeah and straight still, stillness mm -hmm. and to hear your story and how you were able to what I think is quite interesting is like to know what it feels like to be low mm -hmm. Like, yes. I feel like when you know what it feels like to be really, really, really low. Really low. And the idea is like, you know, Tanisha and her father are drowning in the same house yes. on different sides. They just need someone's hand to come grab them and pull them up for air. Yes. Like, that's what that is. And yeah, I, I know that. And so my, my goal was to execute that safely. Yeah. So that the person on the other side of the screen could see it, could feel it, could honor it. Yeah. Um, and not put on. You yeah. know, like a, a lot of times you, there's a difference between performative action and representational action. Yeah. Um, which I think 
kind of falls in a lot of different lanes, right? There's performative activism and there's representational activism. Yeah. There's performative acting and representational yeah. acting. Uh, and I want to represent the truth. So would you say vulnerability is your superpower? Probably. I think my mentor, her name is Dr. T, she would probably say it's it's my crutch. You think so? <laughs> I, I remember in college, because I, I, I wasn't a big crier mm -hmm. um, much, but I think my sophomore year of college, because, you know, theater school for a lot of kids, quite traumatizing. It's very true. I did theater in high school. Girl. So you Never. know. Listen, you know. I was the only one. I was out there singing the sound of music. I was eating it up. Yes, I, and I but believe I was, you. But I was never believed. Picked. No. I was stage director. I was, of course. I was stage manager, was, run lights, do sound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. I know that very well. Um, and I think for me, our sophomore year, we had a teacher who, his name was Barry Bell. And he is no longer at that school for some heinous, heinous things he did mm -hmm. to to students. Um, he wanted us to use our trauma as like a tool to tell stories. And so he would make us sit in the middle of a, a room um, and basically recount the worst moments of our lives so that we could get emotionally prepared for a scene. Were you the only black person in the... I was. So when I went to VCU, I was actually quite lucky. My class was the largest class of color they had had in okay. probably like a decade. Okay, that's good. They did not have the tools to take care of us, though. Oh. So by the time I graduated, one of the last things I said in my senior presentation to the entire faculty board was, I will not be doing the last main stage of the year, A Time to Kill, because I think that the department is fundamentally racist. And I would wow. like to direct yeah. a world premiere on my own. And I did it. Yeah. And I remember the faculty members sat behind the, the table, and the one who was the biggest problem of them all gave me a round of, of, of applause and meant it. So they've come, like, I believe a, a long way. I just came back from, like, guest lecturing over, yeah. over there. Um, they now have a social justice theater program, Good. which is great. My mentor is running it. Um, so you're making changes. That's the goal. Like, that's the goal. Like, it's to change the spaces you come into, yes. like, for the better. Yes. You know? It's like when you get a script, you want to make whatever that's, like, on the page come mm -hmm. alive. And it's not that what's on the page is not good. Yeah. But it's like, how can we elevate it and, and escalate it so that it's real, that it's lived, that it's truthful? And I think that's kind of what I want to do in my advocacy work and activism work is how can we amplify the needs of those who are directly impacted by the worst parts of our society so that things are better? Yeah. For not just them, but for everybody. Right. Because liberation for the most disenfranchised ends up being liberation for everybody in the room. Yes. So I think that's kind of my idea with like storytelling. Yeah. Right. It's how can we liberate the story? How can we liberate the people who are going to feel seen, held and supported by the story? Um, and so that's what I wanted to do with Dear Mama. That's all I could do with King Richard. Tundi is a real person. Yeah, and, you know what I mean. And to convey, because when I, whenever I was like reading, you know, like she passed away when she was thirty-one, yeah. you know, and the way that she passed away, like it's very violent. traumatic. Mm -hmm. It's violent, and I don't know how it probably went in there. You know, um, Serena and Venus, they probably came in and had these conversations with the other actors and stuff about things that they probably did. Mm -hmm. You, you probably in a sense had to kind of really dive like dig inward study and create someone that no longer is existing and I, I think it's it's like a yes and yes. to that right yes. whereas I, I have this 
this dark green. It's like a forest green notebook, probably a little darker than this couch. Yeah. And um, it's filled with probably like 40, 50 pages. It's a moleskin. Just notes about what Tundi was like. So, you know, uh, I'm very grateful to Isha and Lindrea and Venus and Serena for sharing with me so much about what Tundi was like. Because if I if I was taught anything in theater school, it was to ask questions, right? And so mm-hmm. I was like, what was Tundi like for real, for real? What was her favorite, what was her favorite book? Yes. This Good Earth. And I was like, great. Warner Brothers, can you give me This Good Earth? Yeah. She liked Chronicles of Narnia. Can I get that book too? Because it gives you like an understanding of who she might, in yes. Chronicles of Narnia, there we go right there. Exactly. A different type of And you see girl. it in the movie because yes. like, I carried that book. I carried that book around. Yes. You don't really see the cover of it, but I I carried this good earth almost like the entire like teenage um journey yeah. for Tundi. Her favorite subject was um AP biology. Yeah. Now, I took IB biology and bio 101. It's the same class. Yeah. I had my mama send me my high school biology notes. Wow. So when Tundi's like writing in that mm-hmm. first scene of the movie, I'm l- taking biology notes. She was um uh, what is it when you hyperextend your le- your legs backwards? What is that? Knock knee? No, that's not knock knee. Bow legged? Pigeon toe? Pigeon toe? I don't know what it Bow- is. I don't know. One of One them. One of them. We know. We know. But what she used to about. stand when she was a teenager. She stood with her legs, her knees locked a lot. Oh, that's so. Um, that's how I walked. Knock need. Yes. So knock-kneed. that's how I walked. Wow. And and I also wanted to be specific. I was like, did she call mom mommy or mama? You know. So that those kind of questions. Um, and they let me get like, very, very um, personal because, you know, playing someone from the age of 16 to 21 is quite the journey. Yeah. I was like, you know, she, when she hit puberty, when did she get her first job? How did she like to dress? Tandy, there was this one point, and bless bless her uh, incredible wardrobe team for, for bearing with us, but especially Lindrea because um, she actually helped us with yeah. our wardrobe, and Isha was on set every day because she was one of our producers, yeah, our yeah, main yeah. producers. Um, but they wanted me to put on these really dirty white tennis shoes. And I was like, um, this isn't a part of our culture. I was like, I don't think Tandy would do that specific. Her first job was when she was 15 in a shoe store. Period. She used to take her weekly money and buy her little sister's brand new shoes. No shot is she wearing the shoes she was wearing when she was 14 years old. They're like, oh, we don't think it'll matter. I was like, I think it's going to matter to Venus, Serena, Isha, Lindrea. Yeah. I think it's going to matter to Miss Orison. And it's also it's also a cultural thing, too. It's a cultural. Like, they wanted us to put our shoes on the couch. They were like, don't take oh, your shoes off when you run in the house. This is a huh? cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. You'll get your ass whooped if you put your, your shoes on the couch, Yes, you know? and they were like, oh, but my Kaylee, like, you got tattoos on your ankles and stuff. I'm like, I'm going to have to hide them. Or you give me some socks. But I cannot put yeah. my feet on this couch to watch Cinderella. The Williams family would not have that. Miss Orison and Mr. Richard would not have that. Yeah. Um, and so it was about advocating for who they taught me Tundi was. Yes. Because I knew they were in the room. Where did you find your voice? My mama. Really? Oh, heck yeah. She's so outspoken. And and she hates how outspoken I am. It's like, I get it from you, girl. girl, you taught me. There's like this, there's like this one meme that I saw. And it's like, um, I'm at the nail shop and this girl next to me just told the nail lady she didn't like her nails. No, I can't do that. Really? No! (laughs) 
<laughs> Whatever give, design is on my nails me, is what we walking out with. You're, you're, you give me the vibe where you could be like, hey, this actually didn't work oh, out. Oh, no, for that's me. not what I wanted. <laughs> no, it's what, yep. Oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Thing. Well, my nails actually are really gorgeous right now. Shout out Michelle. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I can't do that. So, it's it's in certain places, and I do yes. it in a very specific yes. way. Um I've been told that I'm, I'm way too nice, way too kind. So when I'm ad- when I was advocating for like Tundi on set, mm-hmm. it was very quietly, right? Where I would just have a conversation with Isha, like, "Hey, I see that they, you know, ended up cutting all of Tundi's lines from this scene, but you know, she's 16 years old. I feel like she would say something. Y'all said she was like a second mama to y'all, and she was like." You know what? I'll say, like, I'm, I'm going to bring yeah. that up for sure. And it got to the point where, like, even Miss Ingenue sat down with with the team and was like, y'all are cutting these girls' lines as if they're just background characters. These girls were real people that, like, lived and helped take care of Serena yes. and Venus and, and love their sisters to the point where folks oftentimes don't realize that Serena and Venus aren't, you know, only children. But they, as soon as they see the entire family, they're like, oh, I've seen them forever. Yeah. Because they've always been there. Yeah. Right? Um, And so it was about advocating for the people who really were there so that they could be spoken up for because Tundi's not in the space to advocate for herself. Yeah. Right? And Warner Brothers is just trying to make a movie. Facts. You know, like they, they want to get their bottom line and and the the many, many iterations of the script that we went through, I mean, what we what we ended up happening was was beautiful. Yeah. Very, very proud of it. We all poured so much. And I think it's a testament to Mr. Ray, Mr. Ray Green, our director, to the girls who played my sisters, Tanaya, Danielle, Layla. Listen, y'all ate Demi, it up. Y'all you know, ate it up. Mama Anjanu, Mr. Will, Mr. John, and, and Mr. Tony. Like it was a family. But without the Williams family being a part of it, for real, for real, I don't think I would have had, um, frankly, the audacity yeah. to try and advocate for somebody. Um, so I had to do it very quietly, you mm-hmm. know, yes, sir. And one at one point, Mr. Will came up to me and he was like, Michaela, if you feel like you're supposed to be talking in the scene, just start speaking. Wow. I was like, What? You you do realize that like everything that you that you've said about advocating, having a voice, speaking up, resisting, doing this. I like how you show resistance in a way that doesn't have to be, you know, aggressive or sure. or loud. You're showing you're showing like blackness in another light. But one thing in particular is like everything that you've accomplished, which I know you're going to continue to just. You know, <laughs> just do some Let's amazing things. Some things up. Yeah. Yes, it's literally a testimony of everything that you set out that you that you said that you were gonna do. Mm, like being you. on set, you're advocating for for someone. You know what I mean? Yeah, dear mama, you're advocating for someone. Yeah, you know, speaking out about all of these issues, you're advocating for someone. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's just how I was raised. It's it's, girl, I don't know. <laughs> You know, yeah, no, that's fair, and and I I, I could stand to be better mm-hmm. um, about it, and I think my my whole idea is when I leave this earth, the legacy I want to leave behind is that I improved as a person. Yeah, right. Um, would I love my name to be in like history books and and for there to be a, a Bartholomew Theater? Although that's a long name to put on a theater, you know, it don't hit like the Lena. No, 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 no. But actually, it might, we might be able to work. Actually. With it. It hits. It hits. You think so? It hits. Okay, okay. And you got one of those last names. <laughs> you know how like no offense. You know Man, how like you know how like they try to like 
Yay. say things wrong. Uh-huh. They're going to know how to pronounce that. Oh, they're going to know. They have no choice. They might get Michaela wrong. But it's okay. But it's okay because they're they going to know all about that Bartholomew. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel you. Um, and so, but, you know, that, that stuff would be beautiful, but that's not what I'm here for. I don't think that's what I was put on this earth to do. Right, I want to improve as a person, and I'm not perfect. Um, I fall short, mm-hmm. and I think I'm getting to a place in my life where I can acknowledge when I fall short, mm-hmm. call myself out, and be like, "Okay, so I how do I that. love myself into correction in this moment, Ooh, so that I deal I... with it differently next time?" How do I love myself into correction? Wow, I really like that. Moment. Yeah. Have you ever like struggled with like imposter syndrome or all anything? the time? Right now. Really? Heck yeah! What is it hard for you to? I don't. I don't know if believe is the right word. Is it hard for you to? Do you have moments where you're like, "Damn, like it's happening. Like everything that I wanted to do is happening." Does it ever feel too much? Um, I think what's interesting is I've been I've been grieving a lot in the last few years because. Are you grieving like who you were before, or are you, or what is it that you're grieving? I, I'm grieving what I thought I was supposed to be. Right. Because like King Richard came at a time in my life where I was stepping, I was going to step back from acting. I had gotten a job um, in a hospital. I was working in a psychiatric unit with patients. Um, I was workshopping a show off Broadway and then I was teaching with the Broadway Advocacy Coalition at Columbia Law. So after I finished that off Broadway workshop, my goal was to just focus on um, working in the hospital Mm -hmm. and then BAC stuff. And then I got a call. It was like, can you be in L.A. in 48 hours for a, call, a chemistry reading? I was like, what? For the Will Smith movie? I was like, they going to pay for it? They were like, no. But I'll, my, my my agent at the time was like, I'll I'll make sure you, you are fed and you have somewhere to sleep. Yeah. It's like, well, let me make a phone call to my daddy. What's up, Mr. B? Um, but I was ready to like walk away from it for a little while. Because I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I, I wasn't on Broadway yet, off Broadway, which I think arguably is same yeah. the same level of skill set. Um, sometimes better work, uh, work and better stories mm-hmm. being told off Broadway, but it wasn't paying my bills. King Richard also didn't pay my bills. Yeah, dear mama didn't pay my bills. Yeah, the beautiful theatrical productions that I'm doing now don't pay my bills. Yeah. And so there's all of this like beautiful outward success with like the Tony Award, the mm-hmm. NAACP Award, the nominations, the Academy Awards, like so beautiful on the outside. But I'm barely making ends meet over here. Yeah. And so I was like, I didn't I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to be a movie star. I didn't ask to be like famous in any capacity. I just want to do this work in a way that will sustain me. And it's not doing that right now, which is something I'm having a really hard time with because it looks so good on the outside. Yeah. Um, So I think that's what I'm grieving is like when I got into those rooms, I was like, oh, everything's going to be perfect now. Yeah. I'm I'm going to shoot. Beyonce knew who I was when I met her and kissed me on the hand and the cheek like I should be good. You know what I'm saying? I'm a hive, you know, so... Respect. Yes, Respect, okay? Uh, you know, Her. Beyonce touched you. It's I'm, kin folks. So I'm, now you've been t- here. I've been touched. Touch and agree? Yes. There we go. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where you think, like, you, you see you see folks on the outside and you're like, wow, they're doing great. They've made it. And it's like, but not they don't. All, but they don't... The thing is, is, like, people oftentimes don't see those bad days. They don't see those bad or days. Or the days yeah. that it took. But one thing that I do know for sure is that dreams are allowed to change. They are. And dreams can look like so many different things mm-hmm. because you're... I always think about... Because whenever, like, I'm feeling very depressed or, yeah. like, 
which is you know more often more than, often not, than, than I'd like to, to be, admit, for sure. yeah, yeah. but um, I will watch like Denzel Washington motivational speeches, or like He's I'll watch good, like Matthew McConaughey's when he was like, I don't search for joy. I mean, I don't search for happiness. I search for joy. Yeah. I always listen to those ones. Mm -hmm. But there's one thing that that um, Denzel Washington always talks about. He always talks about I knew I wanted to be a storyteller. Yes, and someone told me that I would be a storyteller, but I didn't know that my storytelling would be in films. Yes, you know, and you know you can always go back and work in the psych ward and do all of those mm -hmm. amazing things but if you're called to do something you're called to do it and it's and just I think that's true it's really just about being I think it's a part of the core of my my being yeah right? it's like I think yeah I, I think I'm called to tell stories in film and television and theater like that's, that's like the I'm ultimate out. storytelling yeah and it's you know? very like it's a gift and, and I, you're also an artist too yeah you wouldn't be able to be artful Mm -hmm. in that field but you can introduce mental health into your films yes because you've already, it all you're informs, already doing yes. it all it all informs itself which i think is very interesting because i studied theater and like minored in like pre-nursing gender mm -hmm. sexuality and women's studies so it was one of those things where i was like oh this all like people are like why do you do such different things and it was like they actually all really inform each other yes right if 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 acting is the art of being a human and, and retelling uh life on screen or yes. on stage <laughs> then good thing I did study those things good thing I did work in a psychiatric unit yes right um good thing I have lived the life I I have good thing I've I've had the trouble mm -hmm. I've had good thing I've seen the the joy and uh wonderful moments that I have because they all inform who I am as a mm -hmm. human being and as a black woman and I can bring that to every story I don't have to leave myself at the door and I think that's what a lot of theater, film, and TV have historically trained folks to think is like anything you have on you, leave it outside. Even your blackness, bro, out the door. No. I don't have to do that. I don't think. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to have to compartmentalize myself in order to like ascertain certain levels of success. And I've been taught that by people um, who have lived that. Yeah. I've also had to do it. Yeah. Right. I just came off of working a contract where there were certain parts of me that I did have to compartmentalize. Yeah. So that I could like show up in a certain professional manner. Yeah. And I'm like, but can I call it out? Yeah. Because when I'm like celebrating that, oh, man, I just finished this incredible contract. I will miss this character forever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to miss my cast, my crew. But also, let's talk about some stuff that really did go down while we were doing the show. Yeah. Right. Can I do both? Yeah. And, and make room for it and lead with grace. Yeah lead with mercy and allow, you know, allow there to be room and, and possibility for growth, for revolution, for change. Yeah. Uh, I think is, is where I'm at. So it, it's just hard because I'm like, oh, I just thought it would look so different, particularly because I didn't think this was going to happen for me at all. Is it more so of a state of shock, though? Maybe. Maybe that's, that's it. true. You know Maybe I mean? it's that like disbelief where I'm like, you really did this, you know, and and I I think it's like just so important to also because you know I, I do content creating and stuff. You but do. I think it's like for me, like the people that I like to keep around me are like my day ones. Like mm -hmm. most of my friends are people that aren't on social media yeah. because they keep me humble and they keep me grounded and they remind me that girl, you you're you're good. Like you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I think you know what I think is just so cool is like there's there's just beauty behind all of the things that you've gone through and things that that you're learning about yourself and i always think of things as how can i explain them 
I, I this sounds this is a stupid metaphor, but I always probably say this. isn't. I literally say, you know, I'm an empty toolbox, right? And I just, as I'm going throughout life, yes. God just gives me another tool and there I just put go. it in that box there and then go. eventually I can build a damn house. It's not stupid at do you know, all. Do you know what I mean? I do. So it's like all of these experiences that you're experiencing, these are just going in your toolbox. They are. You're just putting them in there. I mean, the, the toolbox is basically full at this no, point. No, I, I love that. And, but I also get to take things out of the toolbox yes. when they no longer serve me. Ooh, which is yes. cool. Yeah, because when you said that, I was like, this kind of sounds familiar. And it was different in, in the way it was presented to me. But in college, our senior year, I think one of my, my professors was like, you don't have to. You're paying to be here. You don't have to take everything we give you. You pick what fits in your bag. Ooh, yes. And I was like... What fits in that bag? I was like, okay, well, what if I say, like, none of it fits right now? And, like, that was just my my rejection because I was dealing with so much trauma that I was yeah. trying to process yeah. at the time. But now I'm like, oh, I get it. This is what I needed at that time. This is what I needed yes. at that time. This is what I need today. Actually, I don't need this anymore because I've changed. Yes. Right? And so I, I love that metaphor. This is the toolbox. Yes. Mm -hmm. Heard. Ashe and amen. I talk to myself out loud a lot. It's, I do that too. It's, it's, you might be an actor, bro. That's why you're a content creator. Hello? I'll, I'll, have, to t I'll have to tell you about that later on. You know, I actually moved, you, you know, I actually moved to L.A. to act. Did you really? Yeah, I moved to L.A. to act. There's still time? What do you mean? I mean, there. I'm working on something right now. Okay, heard. Yes, I mean, I'll tell you about it after this. I want to know. Yeah, after we yes, wrapped yes, up, yes, you know. I, I mean? moved here, and it was going well, and then COVID hit, and then I went back home. Yeah, but I think that happened for for a lot of folks. COVID hit while we were filming King Richard here. Yeah, and it was it was very strange, I, and but I was lucky, right? Because a lot of folks were filming things when COVID hit mm -hmm. and never finished them. Wow, funding gone. They was gonna finish the movie about Serena and Venus, though. How crazy is that? Like you're like you're, well, like one of your first like yes, you know about this made no with, sense. With I was, Will Smith, bruh. First of all, Fresh Prince, Mr. Will is like been, one of my favorite movies when I was probably like four years old was Bad Boys, which once again probably had no business watching. But yeah. big ups, my parents. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We were, we were uh, an action movie household. Um, and I remember when I found out that I got the part, I was just like, this would be my first film with my favorite actor. Crazy. That Yeah, that, you know what? That tracks. Sure. Because you're meant, we'll take it. Because what you're doing right now is what you're meant to be doing. Yeah. And, and eventually, I'm excited to see what kind of films you're going to write and direct. Cause I'm, I'm excited too. And shoot, you say that. And Miss <laughs> Anjani has been writing me for, for two years. She's like, you're supposed to write. There's a story you're supposed to tell. You're supposed to write 1, it. You're supposed percent. to put it out in the world. And I've um, been working on a solo show for years. But, you know, this this world, this industry requires you have money and investments to produce things. I'm going to have to talk like, to you about that. Hurt, hurt. And so, like, but it's, you know, it's hard. And you'd be, like, psyching yourself out. I just, like, my, my first solo podcast premiered last week. And I had been planning it. I built the content out for it. Mm -hmm. I had the the one-pagers written. I had the proposal and the pitch and all of the templates and graphic design and logo. Everything's been designed since November. Yeah. But I waited. I sat on it because I did not trust in myself or the story that I have to tell. And I got to stop doing that. You have to stop. I want so many of us to stop doing that, where we stop ourselves because we don't believe in the power of what we have to share. Yeah. Nothing will fuel you more than the power of telling a story you believe in.
Period. I ain't say that. Mr. Will said that, but I take it with me everywhere I go. Period. Have to. And when I fall short and I like forget it, I just have to pick it back up, put it back in the toolbox. toolbox and be like, you know, I actually need this one right now. I need this one. I right need this one right now. Where's I need to go find headphones on? I can't just record it. Damn. Okay, I just have one last question. Yeah. I'm like sad. I'm like, you know, sad is coming to yes. Yeah, this has been fun. What is one thing? You would tell, what is one thing you would tell yourself mm -hmm. that, I, I want to talk specifically about that time you said you were in the bathroom and your sister found you. What would your current self tell yourself then? Sleep will come. Wake up. You've got more work to do. Okay. Sleep will come. Wake up. You've got more work to do. When I say you've got more work to do, it's not even in the sense of like, Manual. Manual yeah. work. It's, it's like, I had a little sister to love. Mm -hmm. I had a mama to love, a daddy mm -hmm. to love. I had a dog. I have best friends. I have godchildren. Yeah. And you. And I have, yeah, and I have me. There, mm -hmm. I was, I deserve the chance to become the person that I was meant to be. Ooh. You know? Um, and I, I, I think, love that. I think that's, that's what I would have needed to hear in that moment. Give yourself a chance. Yeah, give yourself a chance, kid. Period. You you smart, you got a big mouth, and you kind of funny. You a little awkward, but girl, you're going <laughs> to grow into it. And you're going to make it work for you. you Just yes. give it a little yes. more time. Um, and I think that would have been a really beautiful conversation. Yes. yes. I've learned a lot from that 14-year-old girl in the bathroom. Oh. So. I'm, I'm I don't grateful. know why that just kind of like gave me... Yeah, a little, just a little, a little chill, chill. chill. Yeah, I think I got my blazer on. I'm not gonna lie, I'm sweating under Bro, here. I'm like, yes, is the pit stain showing? Okay, no, you good. can't see. You can't Bless see. The I, I almost wore a black shirt. I was gonna wear uh, this goofy shirt. If from I knew the 90s. you were, if I knew you were coming like this, I definitely would have matched your vibe. I was gonna text Very you. Cute. had sent your phone number for like contact, and I was like, should I text her and ask what the vibe? Definitely is text for me. Decorum, you know what I mean? I was like, what should I wear? And I was like, just be yourself, Mike. Definitely text me. Heard. I'm a fan. <laughs> so. Um, you know, <laughs> okay, friendship. <laughs> where can we find you? Where can we yeah. follow you? Tell us, like, where is your podcast? Where okay. we can get it? Um, so you can find me on Instagram because Twitter's got a lot going on right now. Yeah, so I stay I off of Twitter. I don't, I don't I'll get in it. trouble on Twitter. You know, ex I, I know I'll get in trouble on Twitter. Last time I was on Twitter, I went viral for yelling at a white lady. Why'd you call? Why'd they call it King Richard? Because the family wanted it to be called that. And Period. it's a movie that's about Venus. For real, for real. If we want to get for real. For real. Um, so I stay off of Twitter. For real. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can find me on Instagram at CarpeingDM, which is at C-A-R-P-E-I-N-G-D-I-E-M. Uh, yeah, I just, I talk a lot of mess up there. I talk a lot about the Bachelor franchise still to this day. But there's a lot of good stuff uh, on there, too. There's a lot of good stuff that, you know, I, I think I'm sharing and... Uh, I, I'm really excited about this new era for me. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I'm at on Instagram. And then you can follow me on Patreon at Articulate with my Kayla Bartholomew. You can follow me on Instagram at Articulate the Podcast. And the podcast is available where 
all of the podcasts exist in the wherever world. Wherever you get your podcasts, y'all. Yeah, wherever you get them. And um, yeah, there's some like really cool things that are in the works that I can't really talk about yet. But she got an NDA, y'all. She can't be sharing all the. You all know the what other I'm stuff. saying? Um, but you know, just keep your prayers up for me that there's <laughs> there's another story to tell about a very different black girl. Yes. Um, that's on on the horizon. So keep our fingers crossed and our prayers way up. But yes. That's all right. Man. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Ooh, that was good. <laughs>